Welcome to SMR81, bringing you the latest news up to the minute. This is Doug Spork. And this is co-anchor Elizabeth Comstock with the new update of the capture of noted sociopath Buffalo Bill. But before we get to the news, let us remind our listeners that this podcast contains adult language, mature situations, sociopathic transsexuals, an unhealthy obsession with Arginata, a very eloquent and sophisticated cannibal psychologist, naive federal agents, inventive methods of escape, and very moisturized plump women. Remember that listener discretion is advised. Spark and Movie Review 81. Hey, Precious. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Movie Review, some podcast inventing reviews about connectively enhanced narratives. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Yes, we're back for another fun-filled episode. We've got a lot of new things, a lot of new tech, and also we're going to have a lot of fun with this. So, before I even forget, remember you can check us out at www.sparkin.com. You can email us at sparkin at gmail.com. I'm at zansparkin.com, and with me today, surprisingly without Baz, I'm the NG. How you guys doing? But we have someone else involved. Someone new, someone different. Who? Name. Name thyself. How about this? Listeners, your namer. <laughs> or you could just come up with something else. We... We'll figure it out later. We'll, we'll, figure, it, we'll figure it out later. Okay. Moving on, yes. Uh, so, welcome, guys. We're back for another one filled up. So, if you remember from the last episode, which we had the great, the wonderful, and the amazing Kelly Hightower from MatingHabitsOfTheModernGeek.com. In that episode, when we reviewed a very special movie involving, well, a military man who speaks Italian. Oh, without me? Hey, she, hey, she got it. And it's, it's, of course, it is Kelly from Being Absent the Modern Geek. You can't really be like, yeah, no, you're the guest host of a very special <laughs> and prestigious podcast, which is a lot of fun, and say, no, you can't do that. No, we're not going to do that. Um, she was originally going to be possibly in this episode, but she's been busy. And, you know, it's not an issue. It's not nothing no, really No, no, I'll, I'll just kill her later. Moving on. Yeah, well, you have to go down to wherever the hell she's from, which we don't know. There you go. But... <laughs> but either way, this year is going to be a lot of fun because we have a big con coming up. We're going to be at Anime Next. We've been approved for count not one, not two, not three, not four, but five panels at Anime Next. Whoa. Wow. 
it's going to be kind of fun. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be a little crazy, you know? I like a little crazy. A little out there. We have a lot of things going on. We have, of course, the Insane Manga Challenge. The Insane Manga Challenge Adult Edition comes again. Or actually, I had to change to part two instead of comes again. We have uh, the Teachers in Manga. We have the lovely and wonderful Phantom Thieves in Manga. And we have an Apocalypse panel. Oh, Those are always fun. Seeing my... Apocalypses and manga, all the different ideas, and all of them are going to have Gogo 13, because just Gogo 13 is fucking awesome. But this is the manga podcast. This is a movie. We're supposed to talk about movies, about interesting things. Things which you watch on screens, on computers, on phones, in theaters, and supposedly people used to watch them on walls. Walls are pretty good. Pretty good resolution. Yeah, if you get one of those old school projection TVs. Even one of the new ones. But, again, we digress. So... Anyway, if you remember from the last episode of the Spockin' Movie, we rolled that one, that only. Don't have the heat drop. Yes, and it dictated on just are reviewing a movie which, well, how would you guys describe the genre of this movie? Oh, jeez. It is a psychological thriller, if you want to really narrow it down to, like, simple, simple terms. I would say it's more of a symphony of delight, if you would, because there's so many parts of the movie that's a little thrilling for the mind, if you would. There are parts that are confusing, there are parts that are go-getters, there's just so many different parts of the movie that get you to jump in the movie. True, it's it's a mixture of a thriller, a crime story, a horror story, and it's a character study on a character who, well, the author of the original book, Thomas Harris, used this character in several different books. The first time this character was actually introduced, because people think, oh, this is the first time this character was introduced. That's not true. First time was back in the 80s with a movie called Manhunter, which would be remade later on into another movie with Edward Norton and another character in this movie. But, again, we digress. Or I digress. Um, so, the movie was directed by some guy named Jonathan Dem. Is it Dem or Dem? Let's flip a coin. I don't know, but he made a movie about AIDS with Tom Hanks. Do not remember Hmm. Philadelphia. Not a huge time, Tom Hanks. It's a it's a very mental film. He also did a movie called The Manchurian Candidate, which was the original or the remake, two thousand four. Oh, okay. And of course, he did this movie and then a bunch of stuff which we've never heard of. He did a lot of documentaries, including one about the Talking Heads. But again, we digress. It was paid for by Kenneth Oot. Oot. U T T. Oot. Oot. That's not Ut. Ut. Oot. I think Oot. But anyway, and Edward Saxon. Not to be confused with Harold Saxon. <laughs> and that just showed my geek cred just a little bit, if you get that joke. If you get that joke, you get an autograph. Yes, you do. And who's and there's a lot of actors in this movie. You have some crazy ones, you got some good ones. I mean, uh, some of the more interesting ones. You got uh, Don Butler in this movie. You got Charles Napier, surprisingly, in it. You have Diane Baker. You got Brooke Smith. You have Ted Levine. What did you think about his acting in this movie? I think he played the part well. Oh I my really god. I really think he sold it. He really did. Like, I, I've i seen him in so many different things that I love, and when I watched this movie the first time, it was like 10, and I didn't realize that it was him until my brother told me it was him. And I was yeah. like, wow, he transformed. Yes, he, he, really knows that yes, he did. You also have Anthony Held as just a doctor who is, eh, is kind of important, but you have Scott Glenn as uh, he's playing himself. Then you have our two leads, Jodie Foster. She's, um, now you're wondering, who's Jodie Foster? She seems oddly familiar. We don't know who she is. She did a terrible movie about space called Contact. Oh, God. She's in a movie where um, 
everyone's favorite insane part, insane director cut his own arm off. Spoilers, but we're never going to review it anyway. La Biva. That was her directorial debut. She was in Carnage, which was terrible. She's in Elysium. Jesus Christ. She's in X-Files. She's in Nell. Nell was a great movie. She's in Maverick. Her first film was actually Taxi Driver. So the rest were just small parts, but Taxi Driver was what made her her. But yes, this, I think, this brought her back in the public's eye, I think. And then you have um, a knight. Really? Yes, he is a, he is a knight. Uh, when was he knighted? I have no fucking clue, but um, who wants to bring it up? He's uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yes, a uh, philanthropist, writer, musician, director. He's done it all. He's a very well-known actor, and if you don't know who he is, well, you are deprived. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, Anthony Hopkins. So what is your favorite, not including this franchise, what is your favorite Anthony Hopkins film? I cannot name any. You can't name any? I really can't. I mean, I'm sure I, I, I've seen things with you can, but I just can't think of any off the top of my head. Mm, well, he has his own list. Terrible, terrible person. Too many movies that he's done. <laughs> there are too many fucking damn good movies, including The Elephant Man and The Rumor. And there are rumors that he... Well, he was in Mask of Zorro playing a Mexican. He was in Meet Joe Black playing a rich person. He was in Mission Impossible 2 playing... Uh, didn't see it, didn't see it, didn't see it. He played... Uh, Wait, Red Dragon, I think? Yes. He was in The Wolfman, which was terrible. Didn't see it. Didn't see it, didn't see it, didn't see it, didn't see it. He was in Hitchcock playing Hitchcock. He's done everything possible. <laughs> and he's playing Odin again. Again? Oh, he's Odin. He's Odin. He's just fucking Odin. So, we have the, all the actors, so what's the movie? It is Silence of the Lambs. Yes, Silence of the Lambs, a classic film which actually was picked up by U.S. Library of Congress to be one of their National Registry films. And that was in 2011 they did that. And those are like the big films. They're not as cool as the Criterion Collection, though. I think this one actually is a Criterion, also. Which is cool. And so, how would you describe the plot of this movie? I believe it is a character study. But at sometimes I feel like the character studies you rather than studying him. I think Anthony Hopkins really, but, really played the part. But break it down. For, so if you haven't seen this movie, like what, what, how do you describe this movie in two uh, sentences? Young FBI agent studies serial killer. Hey, that works. <laughs> yeah, it's about this up-and-coming FBI trainee named Claire Starling, who, she's a screw... It wasn't that she's being... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Clarice. Sorry, Clarice <laughs> Starling. Right, that's what I was going for. Clarice Starling, and she's not a screw-up, but she has everything against her. She's from the South. She's a woman. Quantico really does not... That's not what they're looking for in a FBI agent. They want stern, eloquent, and she's not... A middle-class... Yes. Northern white man. And that's not what they get. They get this girl who... She wants to do the best she can. She wants to be the best she can be. And it's not really working out for her. And fortunately, she gets a break. She does. She gets offered the chance to interview a brilliant man who may assist them in a current case of theirs involving a serial killer who they call Buffalo Bill, because he's been known to capture and skin his victims. I don't remember why they called him Buffalo Bill necessarily, but I think at one point in the movie they mentioned something about how when he skinned the, the young woman, he did it in a certain way or something. Yeah, it could be because of the original Buffalo Bill skin Indians, and it might be hinted to that. Yeah. But in order to catch him, they send him to this hospital for the criminally insane, where you're introduced to this eloquent, pleasant, courteous, and completely what you wouldn't expect for a criminal mastermind. Yes. But at the same time, I feel like that was a very, very brilliant move on the director's part of the writer. Because most serial killers are handsome, respectable young men. Women. And this one is, the, is has become the the archetype. I mean, they not. There's a TV show coming out where he is. It's about him. 
before he goes crazy. Well, when he's crazy, when no one knows about him. And it's Hannibal Lecter, this... this that was a great movie. He's a brilliant and... I don't know how to describe him. I mean, you could spend entire... There were theses written about him. Really? And he's a fictional character, and he's just about him, what his possible motivations are, what he is, and we are not truly able to do this. We're too... We're not up to it. I mean, we could. If we spent five hours and 15 hours, but I don't think that's what's going to happen here. But suffice to say, he makes a deal with Starling after her not giving up, because he does everything in his power to piss her off, and she just keeps coming back for more, which has been shown for the case, because everyone is giving her shit, and she keeps coming back, because this is her way to get to the top. And the deal he makes is that he'll find out who Buffalo Bill is using his magic, psychological, awesome powers in exchange for him to be transferred to a different hospital because he hates the place that he's in. He wanted a room with a view, if Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. Yes. And meanwhile, our third part of the story is our serial killer has captured the wrong person. He captured a senator's daughter. And now at this point, it's everywhere, and now it's her bosses say, do whatever you want, do whatever you can to get this, even if you lie to him, here's a fake thing, we'll make him think that he's being transferred, but then we'll go back on the deal, and then we'll be just to find the abductee. It becomes a very cat-and-mouse game between Starling and Lecter, where they're trying to figure out, to discover how to do this in this quick method of going things where he asks her a question, then she can ask him one question about the case, and then it goes back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And then eventually things happen, and I'm not going. I don't think we should spoil anymore because it is a thriller. It is, but at the same time, I feel like it's old enough that we can. Well, yeah, no, but I was talking to some people who apparently need to catch up on their movies and they cannot see the Science of the Lambs. And needless to say, they were. Well, we're treading we're treading spoiler water as it is. So I would say that if you haven't seen it, pause the podcast right now, go watch it, and come back. Yes, spoiler tag right now. So move forward to 22 minutes. That way we have enough time for spoilers. This is our spoiler section of the podcast. So, what do you guys think about Buffalo Bill's method? Method? His method of killing. Well, I really like the fact that he starves his uh, victims to get the skin to, you know, stretch out a bit. And, uh, and he's a little insane with how he does it, too. Because he, like, he throws them down a hole. And you can obviously, when the senator's daughter looks up when uh, she's put the lotion in the basket, if you would, the very famous, put the lotion basket or that, <laughs> you would get those again. Well, um, you can see the claw marks of apparently his last victim, who had the, you know, yeah. the death moth in her mouth, which is actually, you know, the cover. Well, it was kind of almost a little sickening because he's getting them scraps. He is. He's just trying to keep them alive until they can, until they, and then he kills them, and then worse than that, of course, they tuck. <laughs> they dance. I think it's a little sadistic in the fact that it's so realistic about how serial killers would, would find their victims based on certain criteria. They would uh, lure them in with fake instances of uh, vulnerability or in need of help, and then just sickeningly what they did with them. That's kind of what Ted Bundy did. Like, um, Ted Bundy, apparently, I, um, there were a bunch of instances where he had a fake cast on his arm and asked the women to, oh, can you help me out real quick? And, um, this is actually how he got the senator's daughter to help him and capture her, ultimately, by saying, hey, I have a broken arm, help me out with the couch. What is all the direct reference to Ted Bundy? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, there are a lot of references because the writer, he 
follow serial killers, you report a lot about them. I'm not surprised he wasn't a serial killer, but he didn't have a three-name deal, <laughs> which is which is the trope. All right, so what about um the escape of Hannibal Lecter? Ooh, very crafty. That that, that seems like something he's had in the works for years, and this just presented the opportunity to unleash his plan. That was well done, and this fact is, and we wonder who is the person that he went who's actually having dinner with. <laughs> Did they really reveal that, or was that someone who just screwed him over, or was it just someone who picked it as a victim? It was, uh... For the very last, actually, um, I was paying attention to that very last scene in the movie. That's actually the guy who owned the olds. The, the warden? Yeah, the warden of the, um... Yeah, the asylum that he had to stay in, because at one point he said he hated that guy so much, and you can see him walking off, and if you pay attention to how his hair looks in the movie, it's the same exact style. No, I could see that. I just... At first I thought it was maybe leave it ambiguous, but then it does make sense because he does have that... He tries not to seem like he is a cold-blooded killer, that he does hold grudges, like oh, seems emotions, but he does. Are you serious? Come on now, like, um... They mention it in the Science of the Lens, but in Hannibal Lecter, he had... Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, sorry. We're still spoilers, we're still spoilers. I haven't seen it. But go on, go on, go on. Uh, he, um, he... Apparently one of his patients... He got them to cut the face, their face off. Yes, I remember. A piece of glass, I think it was. And I think he was feet, like, eating on the pieces of his face. Yeah. And um, that was actually uh, one of the victims that... I think it was the head in the limousine. Yeah, that was the head in the limousine. So. This is a very grim topic, and if you're squeamish, we do apologize. Okay. We did give you the spoiler tag beforehand. But, overall, so, who's your MVP of the movie? Who's your LVP of the movie? MVP? Hannibal. LVP, Buffalo Bill. Really? really? No one was small, not the warden, not no, the... No. Really? Because I felt like, in a sense, it was... It was a battle between Hannibal and Clarice, but at the same time, I felt like it was a battle between Buffalo Bill and Hannibal, where it was the better of the two killers, whether they realized it or not. It's hmm, a very interesting uh, premise. Yeah. Well, my MVP was obviously Clarice, because she has to go through all of this stuff and the wrong time. Like, she's the perfect cop in the wrong time. And the LVP was obviously everybody that, you know, thought she was crappy. Wait, wait, wait. LVP? Cops. The cops. Yeah, they're shaky. My LVP was the one uh, asylum guy who's, who... Yep. Oh, oh. That was disgusting. Just because it's yeah, but he swallowed his tongue too. Like he killed himself, and like I don't remember if it was the next day or not. But he that's so that's why he he got convinced to do it by Lecter. Yeah, because Lecter he, Lecter got pissed off by. It. Yeah, because like, dude, come on now. Because I actually think at one point, um, I heard some other lectures about Hannibal Lecter actually having a sexual encounter. Like he was sexually attracted to Clarice. Yeah, and that's the in the book. That, yeah. You know that dude just did that mm-hmm. kind of like. Yeah, pissed him off. Uh, and obviously, MVP is going to go to um, Anthony Hopkins because just the way he brought this character to life was brilliant. And the fact that they originally wanted Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor, criminal mastermind, to do it wouldn't really be good enough for it. I don't think he would have just been meh. There are a few people I can think of that could replace Anthony Hopkins in this role. I don't think so. I think he just brings life and he is forever known as Lecter. That's why Lecter's so high up. I don't think anyone could do it, because the original person who played Lecter did a terrible job. He wasn't that charismatic. He was just kind of 
stone cold logical, but mm. there was nothing else. There was none of that manic glee that you'd see in his eye because he's enjoying what he's doing. He likes the wordplay. He likes playing with someone who actually knows the game because yeah. that was a thing. Because usually he's used to the idiots. Like later on in Red Dragon, which was a remake of Manhunter, he you see complete another hatred for Ed Norton. He hates him, and then the other one is just kind of like. Uh-huh. Like, really, dude, you, you fucking can't do shit. Either way. Um, so, what was your your favorite or most unforgettable scene? Oh, you can take this one, I gotta think for a minute. The scene where the police officers are running into the cage that Hannibal Lecter was in, and you see the cop hanging there, crossed with the... With his guts just hanging out, everything's gone, his liver's gone, his tongue, his cheek is mm-hmm. gone. That part, that was... Because yeah. that's like the one movie where they actually don't flash gore like they usually do, but they actually show it for a good five seconds. Yeah. I would say mine would be where he's talking to the senator, and his 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 facade just breaks down, and he starts messing with the senator, throwing obscenities about her and her daughter. And Yeah. I'm going to go very lowbrow. Most unforgettable scene, Goodbye Horses. It's a scene which has been parodied over and over again, and just, it's so... <laughs> that scene is the scene which just... That that, that, that is the scene where just like... Huh. <laughs> Not even the South Park parodied, it puts the lotion on skin is messed up. Just that scene, you're just like... Yeah, but I think Chris Griffin did that scene too, like, um... And I think Peter walked in on Yes, and he just like... Right. It's just it's just what the fuck scene. Anyway, awesome. So soundtrack was innocuous. It's in the background. It's not too heavy. It's nice. But it's atmospheric. Yes, it adds to the atmosphere. The score is eh, it's kind of good. The shots are the cinematography is decent. We could go on further, but we're in a little bit of a rush today. So let's get to that part you were waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about review time. So for those of you who join us for the first time or are listening. Or you know, who don't know. We don't use thumbs. We don't use stars. We don't use. We have phrases. Five phrases that, to describe how a movie is, and it's designed so you don't have to say we're going to go in between because you have a bad rating, a good rating, a middle rating, then you have two in between. If you want ratings, yes. Our highest rating is really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't buy this now, your, your blood will dry, your brain will freeze, your soul will be forfeit to the ninth layer of hell while you'll be forced to watch episode one for all eternity while Jar Jar Binks massages your soldier saying, <laughs> Meanwhile, Hannibal Lecter decides to have dinner with you <laughs> with some with a canty and some nice fava beans. Um, our next highest rating is borrow from a friend and don't return unless offered a nice canty. <laughs> Um, middle of the Ground, which is going to be worth watching once in theaters or on DVD. Our lower end is going to have on the background while surfing the internet for porn. And our lowest of the low, the one which essentially is this movie should be avoided at all costs unless you want to torture someone, which is protest outside your local red box so no one rents this reprehensible piece of shit. It used to be Blockbusters, but Blockbusters doesn't fucking exist anymore. <laughs> I was about to say. So, what would you guys give? Silence of the Lambs. I fucking love it. Own it. Buy it. Buy every copy. So, you go really, really? Really, really fucking love it. I have that movie twice. I am the person that, like, goes, oh, it's really good. I'm going to buy it, like, five more times. So, yeah. Really, really, really good. Okay, so really, really fucking cool. I am actually going to go be the dissenter a little bit. I'm going to say Bob and Friend. No, it's not that reason why. It's a great movie. It's awesome. It's good. It's a great collection film. It's one you have to watch. It is. But, unfortunately... 
or some audience members may find it to be squeamish. They may find it dry because it is a little long. There are some dry spots. It's kind of, it plods along at some points. So the pacing is a little weird, but it's still an amazing movie. So if you don't have patience for that, if you want to see action and just straight up, I'm going to go shoot that motherfucker and run down the street, this is not the movie for you. This is a contemplative film. It's a lot of dialogue. The action is a little slow, but there's some great scenes in it, and there's some memorable and very fucked up scenes in it. Damn you, you logic. Damn you. Well, I have to think about all the other people. I mean, we could, I could just agree with you, because personally, I would go really, really fucking cool, but I have to be the dissenter a little bit. So... Uh, Mary, check us out www.sparkin.com. You can email us sparkin at gmail.com. I'm at sansparkin.com. I'm with him. Oh, you're, you're at ng at sparkin.com. I'm that. Yes, and we'll come up with one for you. For now, I'm just the mystery girl. Just the mystery girl. Come up with a name for her. We can call you MG. That just sounds bad. It sounds like yeah. a rapper. <laughs> I'm MG, yo! <laughs> um, so, I guess Mary, check us out www.sparkin.com. Email us and, uh, I think it's time for that part we're waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one. That only. Dodecahedron of movies! Yes, the Dodecahedron of movies. Now, what the Dodecahedron is, it's a 12-sided object. What we've done is we assign a movie to each of the 12 sides. So what we're going to do is we're going to roll that one. That only the Dodecahedron of movies. Whatever it lands up, that's reviewing the next episode of the Sparkin movie review. <laughs> I go fast. So, with that in mind, you shall roll. The honor is yours. Roll it into the chair. That way we're good, and we'll see what we're reviewing. Okay. Roll. Ten. Number 10. So, in the next episode of the Sparkin' Movie Review, we are going to be reviewing a very scary and fucked up movie involving John Carpenter. John Carpenter, John Carpenter, John There are way too many movies with that, but we'll let you find out in the next episode. So, with that in mind, uh... uh I'm Mr. Girl for now. And this is Zan from Sparkin' Movie Review. Uh, we are gone, so we'll catch you next time, and listen to all the awesome quotes at the end of the podcast, because, well, honestly, there are too many good fucking quotes in this movie. Catch you guys next time. Peace.
Starling? Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job and never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily. You call this easy, sir? Lester's missing hand arm. Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do? Rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. <laughs> Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Places the lotion in the basket. Please, please, I want to go home. Please, please. It places the lotion in the basket. I want to see my mommy. Please, I want to see my mother. I want to see. Put the fucking lotion in the basket. long enough. Where are you, Dr. Lecter? I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy. You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.